This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of being on the defense, let's talk about um, the blue line for a second. Um, Scott, I noticed that – well, first of all, Hampus Lindholm, I, I believe is up to – he's he's second on the Bruins in points this year thus far through 11 games. 13 points in 11 games. Um, I, think I think he's third among all NHL defensemen in points. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Um so you know he he had another. How about the game. the resurrection of Eric Carlson? Like suddenly yes. looking like prime Eric Carlson again. So those new Sharks uniforms. He's, look good, feel good, feel good, look good. Yep. Whatever the hell this phrase is. Look good, play good. Look good, play good. Um, but you know, guys. So they uh we learned we learned earlier that that Forbert's out four to six weeks. So um we expect McAvoy back soon. But tonight you saw you saw the uh you know Jim Montgomery lean heavily on Lindholm. Carlo, Grizzlick, and Clifton, and um, Anton Anton Strawman just you know he didn't he didn't see much ice time as as the game kind of went down the stretch there when it mattered the most. Yeah, so I tweeted about this because I kind of noticed in the third period, I was like I don't think I've seen Strawman in a while, and he went uh, at the point I tweeted it, he had gone over nine minutes between shifts. Now he did end up playing a couple late just because he can't can't really ride four or five defensemen for you know an entire like period but he montgomery did some bench shortening and even when lindholm did get shifts late like i'm looking now he had a 19 seconds shift and then a four second shift with which, which i'm assuming was just like a face off and you know quick stoppage and he was off but um yeah you know i thought it was, it was a tough game for strawman uh the first Rangers goal looked like he was in position to make a play to break up that pass from uh, Zabinajad to it was VZ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a nice sauce pass. So, you know, it wasn't on the ice. And it seems like he kind of just whiffed with the hand eye coordination, but you would really like to see him be able to make a play, at least deflect that, you know, do something to so it doesn't settle right on VZ's stick like that. Um, at the very least, be playing a little bit closer to VC so you can try to, like, you know, get your stick yeah. on, on it once he has the puck. But, like, instead of trying to just purely hope that you knock a pass out of the air like that. And I do – sorry, Scott, if I cut you off before you finish your point, but I did notice the Riley – um, Strom and Pear got less time, and I did notice that was their weakest pair, but I feel like it was mostly the Strawman side of it that wasn't looking great, um, in my opinion. Yeah, and it was – I mean, it was Riley's first game since October 25th. So you're talking about, you know, over a week between games, which 
isn't ideal for someone who's obviously used to being an everyday player or close to it. Um, I didn't really think Riley had a great game either. So I understand why that pairing didn't see a ton of ice time in the third. Um, it is something that the Bruin, you know, I mean, we can kind of loop in the floorboard injury at this point. Uh, the Bruins announced actually during the game that floorboard underwent surgery on his middle finger on his right hand and has an expected recovery time of four to six weeks. So they're going to have to figure out that, that third pairing now. And, you know, I, I mentioned this, but like they have bodies, they have guys who have played in the NHL and Riley and Strawman. They have Zaboral who showed some promise earlier in the season. Like they have guys who are there and can play. It's not like they have to reach down to Providence for, you know, someone who's super inexperienced, but it just completely changes the look. Like when you have forward in there, you know, you have with him and Clifton, you know, a really solid defensive pairing. And now you see Clifton get moved up with Lindholm, Grizzly Carlo together. I think that's a perfectly fine top four, actually, especially with the way Clifton's been playing. But it does leave you a little exposed on that third pairing now where you are probably going to have some sort of rotation of three guys who really have yet to establish themselves on in any sort of way this season. Like, Saboral expectations, you know, were high after that first great preseason game. And then really, even by the end of preseason, he was starting to struggle. And I think that carried over into the regular season. Riley's been in and out and all over and, you know, paper transactions and all this. And, you know, has had just a very disjointed start to the season. I don't think he's played especially great when he's been in. And Strawman, kind of, you know, similar thing. Like, he, he has a visa issue. He can't play. He gets one game in Ottawa, still can't play after that. And, you know, I don't think he's been all that good since he's gone in. And obviously you hope that, you know, if one or two of those guys or all three or whatever are getting more ice time, maybe, you know, they start to separate themselves and start to start to play well on a consistent basis. Maybe they just need, you know, consistent minutes to be able to get to that point. But until that happens, you know, you're probably not going to feel great about that i don't think montgomery can shorten the bench every night but certainly in in close games in the third period i think you might see that a little bit more a few thoughts too like remember in preseason where we saw some like lindholm strawman like top pair shifts together doesn't seem like that's something that they want to go to um and also if you had told me before the season started that your top pair would look like lindholm clifton at this point in the season i would have said you're crazy but that's more just a credit to clifton for playing above what we expected of him um lindholm has been every bit as good as we expected it um maybe even better in terms of the point production we mentioned last game he was a little bit shakier on defense than we've ever seen him but that's an anomaly um, more than likely that's just an anomaly and and he was still able to make up for it and score the overtime game winner and and uh you know get assists on multiple goals in the head game so um you know he's been playing as a, a top pair defenseman uh and you know what right around the corner McAvoy's back so um that solves a little bit of your um issues from missing forward on the penalty kill um that was one thing i wanted to look at tonight just like who steps up on the penalty kill because forward got a lot of minutes shorthanded 
and he was very effective with clearing and blocking shots. And I thought Carlo did a really good job tonight when he was in there um, picking up the slack a little bit. Not that Carlo obviously also kills a lot of penalties, but I thought he did a good job. Uh, I want to bring up a, a name because if you remember last episode, I, I discussed, um, you know, the, the diversity and, and, having different types of defensemen on your, in your top six to have kind of everybody play a certain role with Derek Forber out. Do you think it would make sense at some point potentially to maybe call up um, Dan Renouf once again from Providence, given his left-handedness size and just similar, I'm not going to say skill set, but role that he would play for the Bruins while as Forbert does while Forbert's out. Do you think that would, as opposed to maybe trying to force feed, Riley into a situation where he's really not going to excel or Zaboral or something like that. I think the only way that happens is if they trade Riley really soon, because as long as Riley is here, you don't want to be jerking him around with constantly sending him up and down to Providence. And if you're going to call up enough, someone has to go down. So, um, and Riley's the one who's already cleared waiver. So it would have to be him. So I would say like, if you're, if you're looking at that, then to then to me, you're already at the end of the line with Mike Riley. So you better find a trade and find a way to get him out of here. Um, that's the only way I could see that. Otherwise, you you try to make do with the guys you already have on the NHL roster, which you know you're already you're already at your max in, in terms of who's there. You're gonna get Krejci back from IR possibly as early as Saturday, which likely means Jacob Logo goes down um, again, just because he's the one guy up front that you can send down. Um, Riley would be that guy in defense. So, you know, I, I don't really see a spot for Renouf unless, unless that happens and, and you kind of make the clean break from Riley now. And guys, we're, we're coming down to it. We're like McAvoy's coming back and like, Clock is ticking on the next move that the Bruins need to make. Obviously, well, if Forbert goes on IR, then that gives you a little bit of extra time. I think he, isn't he, is he already on IR? He's on regular IR right now, but now that they know the timeline's four to six weeks, they could put him on long-term IR. Which would extend, you know, this period of time that they thought they would have with Marshawn and McAvoy out um, in terms of their cap tightness, but I really, I, I feel like, you know, sooner at some point soon, they're going to have to, to make a move here. Um, and you know what, even if it's not, even if they do get to push it down the road four to six weeks, because of Forbert's if he goes on long-term IR they're they're just kind of, uh, you know, waiting for the inevitable, just pushing off the inevitable that there's too many guys on this team right now and that somebody's got to go maybe more, more than one. We obviously saw the first move of the season, with Stanika going, that had less to do with cap and more to do with fit. But there's this is going to be something that that has to come eventually. Yeah, and just to hopefully without giving people too much of a of a math headache, just to briefly explain like what can happen with Forbort. Right now, the Bruins are about three and a half million dollars into like the long term IR pool, so they're not it only goes over like as far over as the cap. So McAvoy's nine and a half million dollars salary. That isn't all in the long-term IR. It's only about three and a half million. Cause that's how far over the cap they are. So 
if you put floorboard on long-term IR, there's 3 million of that. You only have to free up like another 500,000 to get Matt to be able to activate McAvoy without moving anyone. And that's as easy as sending Lauko or Riley down. Um, Riley can bury 1.1 million of his salary. So to Bridges point, like it forward on long-term IR would buy you some time. It would buy you that four to six week timetable that he has, but eventually you're still gonna have to do something else. Real quick. I also want to commend Mike Riley. Cause he seems like a pretty good kid. And obviously this is a shitty situation that he's been put in. Um, what he is going through right now as a, as a, as a pro athlete is not, is not easy to be in a room where, you know, in an ideal world, you're, you're not on the ice uh, and that management has been, and quite frankly is currently still probably trying to look to move you like for him to be in the locker room tonight, preparing for a game. And, and, and by the way, like I, it's a business. So I, this isn't me like feeling sorry for the, I'm just, I'm just, relatively speaking right when he compared to his, his counterparts um you're preparing for a game and, and you're trying to get in the right mindset to go out there and do the best for yourself and for your teammates and for your for the logo on the jersey but at the same time you know up on the ninth floor don's t- don's probably trying to take calls you know and, and put feelers out there for for trades um and it's just so it's it's difficult to give it your all when you know that you're likely not going to be there to to finish the journey with these guys and um so he seems to be saying the right things and t- taking the right attitude. So I just wanted to kind of commend him on that because it that's it's the part of the business that sucks. And I'm sure for his teammates too. Um, like, for example, earlier today, he was being interviewed and kind of asked similar questions. And somebody asked him about forward and he, he mentioned, you know, he's one of my best buddies. Like, I hope he's doing well. Um, so again, it's like these guys are really close, obviously, for and, you know, so it's probably not fun for anybody in the room. Kind of like that scene in Miracle when <laughs> – when, when Ralph Cox is getting dressed and then Herb, uh, Craig Patrick's like, Herb wants to see you. <laughs> and then the boys just, they know he's getting cut, but they can't even look at him in the eyes. It just kind of sucks. So um want to shout him he, up for going through this like a trooper. Yeah, and here's a wrinkle too. The the night that Stanika got traded to the Canucks, Greer, Riley, and Stanika were all sitting on the ninth floor watching that game together. Riley was sitting right next to Jack Stanika when that move got pulled off and you have to be thinking like, okay, those, those three guys are up there. Greer was just, um, you know, he wasn't in jeopardy at the time, but Riley and Seneca, you know, they're in this, a similar boat where it's like, okay, we might get moved. We might stay. We don't know. And while they're sitting next to each other, one of them gets traded and maybe that sticks in your mind. Like, okay, well, when, when I'm sitting up here, like that's just kind of a, um, a signal to me that my time may be short here. And they're they're obviously aware of the cap situation that's about to unfold when when guys get off long term IR. Yeah, and it's like you know, but you can't at the same time. It's like you can't accept that you're gone or you might be gone until it actually happens because it's like, as you see, like Forbert goes down. What if someone else goes down? You know, what if Matt Grizzly gets hurt again? And now that kind of puck moving role that like Riley can play. Now that's kind of opened up again. It's even Krejci went down the day yeah. that Danica got traded, and it was like, well, would that have happened? Would he would he gotten traded at this time if Krejci? Yeah, like they knew Krejci was going to be down, and they're going to be down a center. So it's all it changes on a daily basis. We we know that we cover it. We've 
we've seen guys outplay what we expected. We've seen guys, you know, struggle and we've seen one trade already, but you know, there's another shoe to drop at some point down the line. It might not even be Riley. It might be Craig Smith. It might be, you know, we don't know. It depends what the health of the team is, what, you know, how much salary these guys are taking up and it's all complicated calculus. So yes, thank you, Scott, for elaborating somewhat, but so it's, it's hard to follow. It can be hard to follow. Um, and I'm sure we'll have more on it, you know, as it looks like we're coming down to like closer to when someone's going to get moved. Here's a, a little bit of easier mathematics here. Figure we should talk about, talk about it before we go is eight and oh, which forgive me if one of you guys already brought it up, but Lena Solmark is now eight and oh. And, you know, I think the second goal that the Rangers scored in the uh, in the third period, second goal of the game, first goal that they scored in the third period. Yeah, maybe he wants that one back. Yeah, but, the, you know, Fox he, the, the Adam Fox goal. But he, you know, he made some big stops when he had to, and a bit of a bounce back from Pittsburgh. Um, and and so on that note too. Obviously, he hasn't lost the season. The one loss came with Jeremy Swayman and Net. We haven't talked about Swayman and his injury, and um, him and Forbert both went back to Boston. Um, you know, after the Pittsburgh game. So they knew they weren't going to compete at another point in the road trip. Similar prognosis in terms of time frame on Swayman coming back. He was also put on the week to week. Um, we, his was less specific. Um, obviously they updated four birds to four to six weeks right now, as, as of recording this podcast, it's just week to week with Swayman is all we know. Um, we know it's a lower body injury, most likely in a knee injury. Um, and we've gotten, less information on what's going on with him than Forbert, but Keith Kincaid got recalled on an emergency basis, made the trip to New York, um, was up there as the backup and reporting is that, um, you know, obviously they can ride Allmark quite a bit here cause he's been the, the number one guy anyway, but at some point in time, we could see Keith Kincaid get into the net to give Allmark a break, depending on how long Swayman's out. So that's, that's a potential, um, heading into the next week. Yeah, Jim Montgomery said after Thursday's game that they're leaning towards Allmark again on Saturday in Toronto. And, you know, the the schedule is actually, like, fairly favorable to the Bruins in terms of timing of this and, and being able to ride Allmark because they don't have any back-to-backs until December. And they have quite a few two- or, or three-day breaks coming up. Uh they have a two-day break the middle of next week. They have three days off the week following, um, three days off right after like the Black Friday game. So, you know, I do think King if Swayman misses, say, three or four weeks, like Kincaid's gonna have to play at some point. I don't think Allmark's gonna start like 11, 12 games in a row. But I could easily see him starting, you know, four or five in a row and then one for Kincaid, then four or five more. Like I could see that happening and the schedule helps them with that. And there's not really any crazy travel. I think like there, there's a Florida trip um, later in the month, but other than that, like everything's, everything's pretty close. Uh, A lot of home games as well. So that all kind of works in their favor in terms of like, this is a, if you have to ride all Mark a little heavier than, than you might like, like this is actually a pretty decent part of the schedule to do it. Yeah, there's actually a three-day layoff, um, not next week, but the following week, depending on how long Swayman's actually out. Um, gives them a little bit of more rest time. The fact that they have 
no games from the 14th to the 16th of the month. So, um, you know, that plays into their favor as well. Um, yeah, but like you're saying about this, this road trip to Florida, that's going to come, um, towards the end of the month that starts the 21st, um, and then the 23rd as well. So Tampa Bay and then Florida. So, I mean, I guess when you hear week to week for Swayman, you hope it's one or two weeks and, and that maybe he comes back before then, but we don't know. All right. So I think we're probably pretty close to wrapping up here. So just to recap, the Bruins are, they moved to 10 and one through 11 games to beat the Rangers five, two, they next play hockey night in Canada. Uh, they go, they travel to Toronto to take on the defensively stout Maple Leafs. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm pretty sure, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a Vegas better, I would probably take the over in that game, considering the Bruins scoring five goals a game this year, essentially. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe who knows, maybe there'll be a treat. Maybe we'll see, uh, maybe we'll see the Bruins reward Charlie McAvoy for going on the road trip and, and, and dress him in the last, in the last game of the trip. I, I was thinking about that. I was, I was like, I know they, I know they brought him on the, on the, on the road trip to kind of get him acclimated to the life on the road again with the boys. But like, I don't know. I could see them. I could see them uh, giving them a little, a little tree at the end of the trip and giving them a go after morning ski. I, I, I probably put it like 30, 40% that he may, he might play on Saturday, but if not Saturday, I'm sure you'll see him maybe was it Tuesday at home against St. Louis. Yeah, He's ahead of schedule. Yeah. Um, He's ahead of schedule and he's been in non-contact for what day Scott did he get out of the, the non-contact? So he's been, it's been about a week, uh, right? It was Monday. It was Monday. So, but yeah, so so he's or been no, out. I, was that yeah that was monday yeah it was before they left for the road trip so he's been out of that that non-contact for you know by the time they get to toronto you know it'll be a few days since he's been able to practice full full contact i i think he could I, you're right Brad. he could we could see him um depending on where they think his health is whether or not they want to risk you know i don't see it i don't i don't I don't think they were lying to us again. I mean, anything's possible, but I think when they, they ruled them out for the road trip, I think they were being honest. Mm, you, you we'll think. see. We'll you see. Think. Now we're skeptical. I mean, look, you know what's you know, amazing to me about the Maple Leafs, though? Like you mentioned, like I actually, I don't totally hate their defense, and Ilya Samsonov's actually been good for them um, in goal. But it's amazing that they're not scoring. Like they're right now, they're 21st in the NHL in, in goals. They're under three goals a game. And, you know, I don't know if like they're, if they're trying to play more defense and sacrificing offense, but I know that their offensive depth took a hit. Austin yeah. Matthews hasn't quite gone going at the, at the goal pace that he was on last year when he scored 60. But that, like, that's the most surprising part of Toronto so far to me is that they're, they're not, scoring at nearly the the frequency that we we used it from them. Well, that's, well my... that's the beauty of this hockey season is that it's been so like unpredictable so far that I feel like there's times where I'm seeing stuff I've, I didn't expect I would see. Sometimes I'm seeing stuff like, was that the first time I've seen that, you know, in hockey or with the Bruins or whatever. And I definitely wouldn't have guessed, um, you know, the, the defense or what, um, for Toronto would be, you know, holding up as well as they are and the offense wouldn't be as scoring as much as they are. I mean, everybody could have guessed Connor McDavid was going to be leading in goals, but there's a lot of other things that um, that have happened that you're like, okay, well, that's a pleasant surprise or that's just different than what I expected. Well, I mean, my, 
my 30 seconds or less take on the Maple Leafs issues right now is that, first of all, in the back end, Scott, like you mentioned, they're on paper, they're not too bad. I think the Jake Muzzin injury and his continuous health issues continue to hinder yeah. that. But, you know, up front, I mean, they, they have no bottom six, quite frankly. It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it sucks. And if your top guys aren't going, then you're going to have trouble scoring. And when it comes to their top guys, I think you're looking at a group of guys that lack true leadership skills. And I think that they are really starting to resent the market they play in because of the constant keeping up with the Kardashians drama that goes on up there. I mean, you, they talk Toronto Maple Leafs 24 seven up there on their media outlets. It's, it's, it's like the Patriots here in Boston times 10. And I think, I think the Matthews and the Marners are, are fed up playing for those, that media outlet. And for I reference, also- Brad Marchand has, when asked, I forget who asked this to him, but this was towards the end of last season. When asked, is he happy he doesn't play in Canada? He said, yes. Yeah, um, he said, I- it's hard to play for those Canadian teams because that's just, it's a different, you're, you're not the fourth team in town. You're the first team in town. Like everybody knows who you are. Sure. You're the star of the town, but you're getting so much more criticism than you see. And even in Boston, which has a very like in tune fan base, um, it's just a different culture, like you mentioned with the media. So uh, he said he's glad he doesn't, Marshawn said he's glad he doesn't play in his home country. He's glad he doesn't play in Canada. And um, those guys are going through exactly what he was kind of alluding to, which is just that it's it's an unforgiving environment. They would love, they would love Marshawn because of the way he plays. They don't, they think that their their stars. Marshawn wouldn't love them. No, 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 no. But the problem is a lot of, a lot of their young stars, they just don't, they just, they, they play freelance hockey, globetrotter hockey. But the other thing too, is it's like in Toronto, nobody wants to hear about the regular season. Even if they were, even if the Maple Leafs won 82 and 0, sound familiar um, to a market we're talking about, even if the Maple Leafs won 82 and 0, all they care about in Toronto is we don't give a shit. We want you to get over that hurdle in the playoffs. The Maple Leafs can't do that until April. So you know, the players, you could just tell that like Matthews and them, like they know they've had great regular seasons in the past, but it doesn't matter if you can't capitalize in April. And they know it's almost like they're like, they don't want to play this regular season because they, they just want to get to April and prove themselves. But you can't just breeze through the regular season. You got to play it. So, um, you know, I'm sure they're looking to have a statement game against the Bruins on Saturday. And I'm sure the Bruins aren't going to let them have it or at least do their best to not let them have it. So it should be a fun game. I think, I, and we've we've said this before, and then every subsequent podcast will say it again. The the narrative for the Bruins to start the season was the to just stay middle of the pack, don't get behind, tread water, and here they are with a ninety one percent win percentage, plus twenty two goal differential, like best team in the league, just slightly above um, Vegas, which actually they're tied. I believe they're tied in the standings now, each with twenty points. I Bruins have, are a half game ahead because I think Vegas. They are a half game loss. ahead, but yeah. points wise, they're the same. Um, yeah. Wouldn't have guessed Allmark was going to steal the show right away. Not not have a loss, um, you know, at this point in the season, and uh, so that has been the biggest pleasant surprise for Bruins fans, and pro- maybe even one of the biggest surprises in the league, just because from a distance we knew some of these other fan bases and reporters did not understand where this roster necessarily was at. And they saw those deficiencies and those injuries as going to be something that really took this team maybe to like, I don't know, maybe they're, you know, 500 at this point. No, they're, you know, 91% win percentage. So um, 
that even may be the biggest shock of, to anyone in, in the NHL at this point. But there's also one last thing I'm, I, w- I want to say about that too, because yes, having a great start doesn't equate to success in the playoffs and playing well down the stretch. But one logistic reason why it is very beneficial to get off to the start the Bruins have and, and the cushion that they're going to continue to have, even if they play 500 for a month, like they're still going to, you can, you can, the Bruins, if they can continue to play, not at this pace, but a, you know, top 10 team pace the rest of the way, like they'll have the luxury of really, really resting and pacing the minutes and the wear and tear on their, their top players in the second half of the season going down the stretch. It's, there's a big difference between being able to rest Martian, but particularly Krejci and Bergeron select times throughout the latter half of the season than it is if you're battling for a bubble spot, uh, uh, you know, in, or a wild card spot. And it, just to get in, you need to play everybody. So it's that, that is a real reason why this, this start is, is so important too. So I know we're close to the hour mark. Scott, do you have anything else before we uh, say goodnight? Nope. All good. Bridget, you're good. I'm good. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk soon.